It's Monday the 28th of September 2020. My name's Alex Elliott, and you're listening to The Week in Iceland, the programme that asks what's been happening in Iceland this week, why it happened, and why we should care. Uh, you join me today at my kitchen table at home, uh, all by myself, um, and you can probably guess the reason why. Um, this is hopefully the final day of my quarantine. Um, I've already been for the test, and I should find out within 24 hours um, if it's negative. Needless to say, I feel absolutely fine, so fingers crossed. Um, but in the meantime, that does mean you're stuck with me, because to have a guest uh, on the show would be to break the law. <laughs> I never thought I'd be saying that. Um, so, onward. Oh, actually, before we start, I should mention also that I've got um, the washing machine running in the background. There's a kitten running around, and my dog is chasing the kitten. We're also running into our fourth month of uh, construction work in the next building, Oh, right on cue. Did you hear that? Um, so that means you will have to bear with me slightly. Uh, onward with the headlines, though. Um, Iceland has returned to the red list of many of its neighbouring countries amid the soaring case of new COVID-19 infections in the country. That hasn't been helped by um, the case of at least one group of tourists who come to Iceland knowing full well that they're not going to be respecting quarantine rules on arrival. Um, one such group of four people were ejected from the country this weekend and fined. Um, there's several other COVID stories which we will cover, including uh, Kauri Stefansson, the head of Decode Genetics, who has uh, defended the French tourists who have been blamed in some courses, uh, including overseas media, of causing this current wave of infection in Iceland. Kauri says that isn't quite true. In other news, um, the quality of life contract, the major collective bargaining agreements that were signed last spring um, for members of many, many unions across Iceland, is in doubt again. Um, the uh, Association of Employers in Iceland is balloting its members, i.e. the companies, on whether or not to break the contract and what will happen next. The Prime Minister, meanwhile, says possibly that the uh, that the authorities will have to step in and make sure that stability on the work market is maintained. Um, we'll definitely be talking about that. Something else we'll definitely be talking about is the Egyptian family who uh, were due for deportation in the middle of this month, then went into hiding and have now been given residence permits as their case was reopened and re-evaluated. Um, on a similar note, Iceland is to welcome an extra group of refugees this year from the Moria camp on Lesvos in Greece um, after the devastating fire there, bringing the total number of quota refugees in the country up to 100 this year, which is the highest number so far. And then a couple of other things, including Reykjavik International Film Festival, which is currently underway, and also um, the cold snap last week, which you can probably tell today, if you're in Iceland, is over. It's, a, it's quite warm and gentle today. So, let's start with COVID. Um, as I mentioned at the top of the show, the UK, Denmark, Norway and Finland are among the countries that have returned Iceland to their travel red lists. Um, and that is because the figures for yesterday, at least, put Iceland's, um, the figure, the headline figure of um, uh, new cases in the last 14 days per 100,000 of the population, which is the figure used by most countries uh, at the moment. Iceland is at 118.1. That's Sunday's figure. Let's see if it's updated yet. 
Mm, no, it hasn't. Um, but that is ten times more than it was just uh, about three weeks ago, which is a, a crazy, crazy level of increase. Um, and the uh, civil protection authorities, Vidarinason Thorolvur Grudnason and Alma Müller, the heads of the agencies there, said over the weekend that it's kind of crunch time now and uh, that we will find out if we need harder restrictions in place again um, in the next days, like possibly today, tomorrow. Um, <clears throat> good news, I suppose, is that the actual number of new infections diagnosed each day, although it's up and down, of course, as you'd expect, it has been on a, a, a bit of a down curve, but it's too early to say, really. Um, certainly yesterday's figures for Saturday were quite low, 15 uh, so 20 new cases there, um, but then that was the result of a lot less testing on Saturday. So we'll see what happened yesterday and today. Um, in today, we already know, though, to, that today's figure is likely to be higher. Um, that's just because 14 cases, and this is not a laughing matter, actually, 14 cases came up on board a fishing trawler fishing no a, a line fishing boat called Valdemar 14 crew members on board there and all of them um, have been diagnosed with COVID-19 so that's 14 today just off the bat um, and that will of course affect the figures uh, and actually that sounds like a horrible trip um, they were out a little bit off of Hortnafjörður, which is in, in the southeast of Iceland, just west of there. Uh, they started fishing. One member of the crew uh, started feeling ill with flu-like symptoms, and they decided to contact the health authorities, which was a very responsible thing to do. Um, they decided to wait overnight, or I think possibly even over the weekend, and then come back into land and, and get tested, everybody on board. In the meantime, though... Uh, Several more people started to feel ill and they decided to go straight back to land. And by the time they got there, because what did they say? It was um, an extra 12 or something hours journey. No, it was a whole day. They had 24 hours um, to sail back to Grindavik. Um, and during that time, apparently a lot of people got very ill and it was the worst possible scenario, as you can imagine. Um, but... The good thing about that, if there is a good thing about it, of course, is that the medical professionals took them off the boat, uh, took them straight in for testing, isolated them immediately. So from that point of view, um, they're kind of in a bubble, if you will. Um, yes, so this border testing, uh, sorry, this travel restrictions, um, as of Saturday, I know the United Kingdom started imposing 14 days quarantine on anyone arriving from Iceland um, because the basis level, uh, if it goes above 20 per 100,000, that, that figure we were just talking about, then that is generally considered unsafe. Um, that's the figure, the ballpark figure used in the UK. Um, in Germany, I believe they're using 50, which is a higher end figure. But even that, Iceland has broken by some some level at the moment. Um, Finland is an interesting one because they've also introduced this quarantine rule on passengers from Iceland, um, but they're going to be taking up their own border testing 
procedures, much like Iceland does, um, from the first, from Thursday. Um, and that will change that situation somewhat. Um, but for the time being, yeah, travel is kind of off the cards at the moment. And that brings us on to inward travel. Um, there were four tourists arrested in Reykjavik city centre this weekend. Um, and it turns out, and not a lot of investigation, they weren't particularly clever about it, um, that they had just arrived in the country. They knew the rules. They had no intention of quarantining for five days and going for a second test. Um, and yes, that was the deal. So they were instead fined 250,000 krona each and sent straight back out of the country to their home. Uh, while the police haven't told us, they've been quite tight-lipped about where these passengers came from, um, but they did say that Upon returning home, they will have to spend 14 days in quarantine. Um, and given the fact that the only planes leaving yesterday, I think it was yesterday, um, from Iceland were going to Denmark or the United Kingdom, it seems likely, and in fact I've heard rumours, <laughs> um, that they were British tourists. Um, apparently three of the four were found by police in a restaurant or bar. And the other one was out on the street trying to start a fight. So beautiful, really. Uh, they're not the only examples of people coming to Iceland deliberately breaking quarantine rules. We know of other examples. Um, and the, the police are aware as well. Uh, so in this case, it, there has been no... Um, there's been no uh, requirement to send anyone else into quarantine, luckily. And they have been fined and sent into quarantine. So it seems like a happy ending on that one. Um, and also restaurant owners, uh, cafe, bar, restaurant owners have also reported um, turning people away at the door when they just come in with the suitcases in tow, clearly straight from the airport, looking for something to eat. Because that's not the way it works these days. Um, according, I think it was one of the police officers here said... Um, yeah, this going away for a long weekend weekend package to Iceland uh, might might have worked this time last year, but it's not the thing to be doing now. Um, Kauri Stefansson. Yeah, the head of Deco Genetics or Islandskrædderegningers um, believes that two French tourists are not responsible for the third wave of coronavirus infections in the country. Uh, many foreign media sources took up that piece, particular story, um, suggesting that the whole third wave could be traced to these two people, um, including the Daily Mail, BT and Denmark, Extrabladet, Extra <laughs> I'm so sorry to my Danish listeners, um, and also Agence France Presse, um, oh, and elsewhere, apparently, in The Guardian, The Telegraph, DR, uh, apparently it originated with a story on Vsir, um, taking a interview with Thorolf Grudnason, the chief epidemiologist in Iceland. Uh, the headline of there was Breaking 
contagion rules and now over 100 people broke contagion rules and now over 100 people have been infected so i'm trying to get i'm scrolling through here i haven't actually read this article yet um yes yeah, so cowardly thinks it's unfair to put all of the blame on those two french people uh, he says that the assumption that they broke quarantine rules, their isolation, is not supported by any of the evidence. And he thinks it's more likely that it was other people on their plane that arrived who were infected and then it got out that way. Uh, and that those people might not have been caught up in border testing. Either way, the third wave um, does have a what do they call it, a um, stuchbreiting, a variation, a mutation of the virus, which is originated from France. Uh, whereas the second wave was originated, it was believed, uh, by Kauri Stefansson himself, actually, he was saying uh, that it more than likely came from a country in Eastern Europe. Um, and then the first wave, way back in the spring, of course, it came from Italy um, in the ski resorts of northern Italy in the Alps. And also a large number of cases that were originated from the UK. Um, the authorities believed at the time because people were going to watch premiership uh, football matches and then picking it up and bringing it back from there. So it's not a blame game. Uh, certainly Kauri Stefansson who has taken a great interest in um, in analysing the virus samples, he says it's not a blame game, but knowing where these variants of the virus come from, you can build up a better picture of, of the roots of infection, about how it's getting through society, um, and that's very useful from a scientific perspective. Anyway, enough of COVID for now. Let's go on to far more cheerful, cheerful things um, because the Association of Icelandic Enterprise, the Confederation of Icelandic Enterprise, which is the representative body of employers in the country, is today starting a ballot of its members um, about the possible ripping up, if you will, metaphorically speaking, of the quality of life contracts that were signed last spring um, on behalf of the members of many, many unions in the country. That is actually going to be a very short um, poll and the results are expected tomorrow. If the contract is going to be nullified um, and if a new deal cannot be struck um, with the union side, with the employee side, by four o'clock on Wednesday, then the contract will be null and void, according to the association, according to the confederation, sorry. Um, it, as you probably know, the status of um, workers' rights, the status of employment law in Iceland is pretty complicated. Uh, you've got a lot of unions, uh, but most of those unions work under the umbrella of the Confederation of Icelandic Labour. Um, obviously, you've got a lot of employers as well, private sector employers, and they work under the umbrella. Their interests are represented by the Confederation of Icelandic Enterprise. Um, so when push comes to shove, it's really those two bodies um, 
that are the two sides of the table in negotiations. And they are negotiating hard at the moment um, about whether the contract, whether the terms of the contract have been destroyed um, by COVID-19. And you can definitely see either way uh, on both sides of it. You know, businesses are struggling. There's unemployment is skyrocketing. It's a difficult working environment. And they're the employers um, possibly understandably believe that th you know, things have changed and, and the contract was built on very much bringing up standards, bringing up wages, um, shortening the working week for some of the unions, uh, for example, and just, you know, making life better, making life more equal um, for the working people in the country. Laudable thing. Um, and, and no less relevant now than before. Possibly, you could argue, more relevant now. Um, but if the business isn't there, if the money isn't there, then what are you going to do? Um, I'm, from the business side, they would rather, or they say at least, they would rather have more people employed um, than, you know, because it, it doesn't do anyone any favours for unemployment to rocket and to, for businesses to go down. Uh, it's a very difficult situation. We will be monitoring it over the coming days. Um, and hopefully, hopefully it will work out well. Certainly the government wants it to work out well because it having these new contracts um, has been uh, identified as one of the successes of the current government because they had their involvement in it too um, in that very hard negotiated process last spring. Um and it's the last thing the country needs, the last thing the economy needs right now is for a new wave of industrial action for a start um, and for a new wave of uncertainty, um, a little bit of stability in some area, please, would be <laughs> very nice. Uh, the Prime Minister Katrin Jakobsdottir um, says that she and her government are monitoring the situation and that they will step in to ensure stability if they need to. She hasn't been very specific on what those actions could be, though. Um, I mean, you, yeah, I don't know. We shall wait and see what that is either. Um, it possibly just as, as a central point, as a taking control of the negotiations, it could be a start. Um, her finance minister, Bjartney Benedictson, says that yes, things are a bit shaky right now, but that he's positive about the long-term future and that both sides are still uh, have the willingness and the desire to work together um, for the common good. Let's wait and see. Now, the Kedir family from Egypt, that four children and their two parents um, that went into hiding rather than be deported um, 12 days ago, nearly two weeks ago, are now going to be staying in the country because the Immigration Appeals Committee decided to grant them residence permits um, based on humanitarian grounds. After their two years in Iceland, um, it was well known that the family, especially the children, had made friends, they've learned Icelandic, they're doing well in school. Um, and the Appeals Committee has now agreed that it would be cruel, it would be inhumane uh, to deport them back to Egypt. Uh, their lawyer and many other people have hailed this as a great victory. 
Um, and in fact, they've now appeared in, in the media for the first time um, saying, as you'd expect, uh, that they're very happy with the outcome and that they really just want to live a normal life like other people. Um, Iceland, and of course they are, yeah, they, they, they will no longer be considered refugees as they will have residence permits in Iceland and be able to stay. The government on Friday announced that Iceland will invite 15 refugees currently on the Greek island of Lesbos to settle in the country as well. Um, and they are in addition to the 85 quota refugees already expected this year. That brings the number up to 100, which is the highest number um, Iceland has accepted to date. Um, those 100 people are, as I say, they're called quota refugees. They're the ones that Iceland, that any country, but in, in this case Iceland, goes out and arranges with relevant authorities, most notably the United Nations, to bring in to go and get to bring in. Uh, the number does not include uh, refugees that arrive in the country uh, on their own accord and apply for asylum upon arrival. Of course, there are um, a lot more than 100 of those. Um, in this case, the government decided to call, uh, sorry, to answer the call of the European Union and the Greek authorities um, to resettle some of the people left left homeless and destitute by this massive fire that destroyed the refugee camp. Um, I believe there were some 13,000 people there. Um, and they all, most of them ended up on the streets, at least for the time being. Um, they are building a new camp, a new, hopefully better camp. Uh, but nonetheless, no one wants to be living in a camp, on a, um, even if it is on a Greek island. Um, most of these people have got dreams of reaching other parts of Europe, maybe reuniting with friends and family. Um, and as the Egyptian family said, just having a better life, a normal life. Um, and in this case, that will happen for these hundred people. They're not all, um, 15 of them are people from Lesvos, as I, as I said. Um, there and Iceland is also welcoming people, Syrians, um, in Lebanese refugee camps at the moment, uh, a particularly vulnerable group as well. Um, there's going to be people coming in who are currently in camps in Kenya, um, possibly including LGBTQ people and political refugees um, from elsewhere in Africa. And then also Afghan people, Afghan refugees who are stuck in Iran under very uh, poor conditions, should we say, especially women and children, it says. Um, immigration is always a contentious issue in every country, um, and Iceland is no exception. Um, we see the comments, for example, on social media. It, it does divide opinion, um, but I, I hope that everyone is at least of the opinion that people deserve a, a good chance in life. People deserve the opportunity to live a normal life, if at all possible. Um, that is clearly what's happening here. And I think in the grand scheme of things, Iceland can, can easily welcome 100 people um, who will, with any luck, become active contributing members of society. Um, 
and unhappy here. So good luck to them. Reykjavik International Film Festival, the 17th annual RIF, um, is underway. It started on the 24th of September and will run until the 4th of October. Um, as with so many other things this year, COVID has left its mark on the festival, shall we say. Um, it's not going to be queues of people lining up outside Bio Paradis waiting to watch films. This year, although there are physical screenings um, in the Nordic House at Bio Paradis and also there have been at Hausgård Bio as well, um, most of the festival is online and you can go to the website riff.is and you can pay to watch the festival films on the internet through your computer at home uh, from the comfort of your own sofa. Um, and I haven't done that yet, but I'm planning to. I'm going to pay for uh, one or two to support them this evening, partly because they've got a great lineup of films, um, 110 different films from 47 countries, um, but also because, yeah, I love the festival. I want it to continue, um, and it does good things for Icelandic for Iceland's image and for the Icelandic film industry as well, and great for them. Also, they are on the road going around uh, the country in a sort of truck thing, <laughs> in a screening vehicle um, for socially distanced film showings in communities all over the country um, over these couple of weeks as well. So it's pretty exciting. Um, I hope it goes well. And yeah, uh, if you do want to watch films on riff.as, do remember um, the Unfortunately, it's geo-blocked and you do need to be in Iceland to do so for licensing reasons. And we will finish today on the weather because it's everyone's favourite topic. Uh, the thermometer at the main visitor centre in Thingvetlir National Park on Thursday night into Friday morning hit apparently minus 9.6 degrees, um, which is at or close to the all-time coldest September record for anywhere in a in, in what they're calling a, a built-up area. Um, if you've been to Thingvetlir, you'll know it's not a town or a city. Um, but I think the definition of built-up area is just any building. And obviously there's a car park there, the toilet block, the visitor centre, the museum. Um, and uh, yes, that counts as a built-up area as opposed to a wilderness area. Either way, your definition of town and city aside, uh, that's pretty cold. Reykjavik on the same night was minus three, um, which is nothing to be sniffed at either, although it would certainly have made you sniff. Um, apparently, there have been temperatures below zero, below freezing in Reykjavik only three or four times in the last 20 years during September. So it was, yeah, um, something to uh, something to talk about. And of course, in typical Icelandic style, during the course of Friday, the temperature went up from, as we say, minus three up to getting on for 10 degrees. And then the weekend featured lots and lots of rain and warm wind. Uh, today, we've got the best of both worlds. It's relatively bright, mostly cloudy, quite warm, no wind, no rain. Um, yeah, it's a nice September day. And I think, before I bore you too much, that is going to be a good place to stop. Um, wish me luck for the test results. As I say, feeling good. Um, but it would be, you know, 
as they as the authorities say some people don't have symptoms at all so um when, i'm not counting the chickens until they've hatched as we say either way Thank you for listening. The Week in Iceland will be back, hopefully with other human interactions, <laughs> next Monday, the 5th of October on ruv.as forward slash English, Ruv English on Facebook, through the Ruv app, and on your favourite podcast platform. We finish today with a song called Heima, um, as you might guess for obvious reasons, it means home, and this is by that renowned Viking metal band Skullmult. Bye for now. Vikingur á vorkvöldi vakir yfir ánum Fullþroskaðar fífurnar fellir hann með ljánum Baldur heitir bóndin sem beitir þarna ljánum Friðartímar falleg nót fjölskyldan hann sefur Hæfilega heit hann brot, heimalingrum gefur. Baldur heitir bóndin sem bústnulambi gefur. Gleður bæði góð og menn, gæfan fylgir honum. Víf hann á sem verðarleg, vakir yfir sonum. Baldur heitir bóndin sem býr á þessum sonum. Hann á þessa heiðnu jörð hæðir tún og lækir. Baldur heitir bóndin sem bakka sína sækir. Baldur heitir bóndin sem bakka sína sækir. Yeah.